Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Industry Thought Leader Podcast brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard and influence. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, brand and podcast strategist, also known as the podcasting queen. Now, my guest today says it isn't about feeling on top of the world. It's about finding relief. It's about feeling better. And joining me on today's show is Lou Banks. Now, traditionally, you might call Lou a coach or a facilitator, but she doesn't do traditional. Lou is a culture consultant. She's the founder of Rising Vibe and Calling Out the Men. And she's passionate about helping organizations create an S. PF, which is social pain-free culture, because when people feel better, they do better. Now, on today's show, Lou is going to share how our thoughts impact how we feel and therefore how we show up. She's also going to talk about how social pain and physical pain activate the same brain circuitry, what that means, as well as how to raise awareness of our thought patterns to enable a shift in our perspective. And I'm sure so much more. Welcome to the show, Lou. Thank you very much for having me. Lou, give us a bit of a snapshot on how you got into this industry. Was it something that you'd always had an interest in or was it an experience or a situation that had you kind of thinking, this is interesting, I'm going to go down this path? What was that journey for you? So I, um, I'm i an operator at heart, I guess, is what I would say. So um, I wasn't immediately in the learning and development, organisational development world at all. I was. Um, you know, operations with the people doing projects that I would usually get allocated based on the level of resistance of the people in the project because it didn't it didn't bother me. What I mean by that is I just got very curious about it. It didn't feel uncomfortable for me. I used to find it really interesting when people were resisting change or not comfortable with something. You know, I'm quite uh, comfortable with sharing my opinion, so I enjoy a bit of debate and discussion. So I picked up projects that uh, were in that area, I guess. Mm. And then I made a transition into the change management world and then into learning and development and organizational development after that. So everything we do at Rising Vibe is really simple, very practical. It's very heavily 
psychologically and neuroscientifically based. But if you can't use it, then we don't use it, if that makes sense. If you can't make it into something practical that people can take away and apply, then we don't bother using it. Fantastic. And I mean, the situation that, you know, many people find themselves in now, I mean, change is happening all the time and change is certainly being thrust upon us globally um, with lots of change uh, in the workplace. When you're working with, just take us back to the first time that you started realising that you actually not necessarily enjoyed it, but it wasn't an issue for you. When did you get to that stage where you realised this is something that I do and do really well in comparison to others? The reason I ask that is for many of us, we just do what we do naturally, comes naturally to us. We don't actually ever realise it unless someone may mention it to us or unless we have it recognised in ourselves because some people may find that they're doing something really well that could just be a pivot or could just be something that they can leverage as they move forward. What was that moment for you? There was one particular project and there were quite a lot of outspoken people on the project. So really comfortable saying how much they disagreed with what was happening. And I just listened really. And I got a lot of stuff projected onto me because I was representing that. So I became the person that represented the change that people weren't happy with. And I just asked questions. Um, I wasn't put off with, I guess, what could have been perceived as quite aggressive behaviour. It, it wasn't really, but, you know, very defensive, um, very uh, attacking language, uh, quite personal, actually. I wasn't put off by that. I just asked more questions and listened. And I, you can just feel the change because people just want to be heard. And I think it was this particular project, you know, before I set up the business, way before that, when I thought to myself, actually, I mean, it's obvious now for me, but people just want to be heard. You don't actually have to agree. Mm. You just need to hear them uh, step into their world and say, look, that's not how I see it. You know, that's not where I'm coming from. But based on what you told me, I completely get why you feel like you do. Mm-hmm. That takes the heat out of it straight away for people. And I think it was that one particular project when I thought, actually, I love this. Yeah, you know, it, felt, it felt uncomfortable. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't in comfort zone, by the way, but there's something that I find and still do. I, I get excited isn't the right word, but I get a real buzz. It's a challenge. Debate. It's something yeah. that you really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I love about the, the answer, and some people might be listening and watching and even the recording later, she, well, she didn't actually ever answer that. And I think the reason is, is because we just get out there and do it. You know, often, it, it, and it's not that you set out intentionally, to really excel in this area. It was something that you did really well, but I just want to address a a couple of things that you mentioned and just highlight it so people are aware of it. You said you were naturally curious. You were curious. You went in there and what you didn't do is you didn't take, allow it to take offense and that you didn't take it personally. Would you say that there's a lot of conflict that goes on in, in workplaces and discussions are never had, people are never given the opportunity to be heard because the person to whom they're speaking immediately goes into the defence? Is that something that yeah. you've seen? And then there's this conflict yeah. that takes place. Yeah. And I guess this is where the social pain stuff comes in. So, um, And that's one of the reasons why we got very interested in social pain. Um, so social pain, let me just give you a bit of a headline because it makes complete sense why we don't want to front into those kind of situations. And again, you know, I must reinforce people say to me, well, it's all right for you because you're, you're comfortable doing it. I'm confident doing it, but I'm not ever comfortable doing it. I don't enjoy it, but I have done it so often that I know it will be okay, if that makes sense. So I, I've got used to it. Um, but social pain is when we experience any kind of disconnection from another person or tribe. So when we feel rejected, excluded, when we don't feel heard, we feel unable to influence, we feel misunderstood, 
you know, loss, isolation. So right now that's huge for a lot of people. Um, we're in our second lockdown in the UK. So, you know, the isolation thing is really big. And what's really interesting for us is that a lot of people, uh, when you talk about emotion in business, a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 we don't do emotion in business. I don't do emotion. We all do emotion. And what social pain has helped us do is really challenge the skeptics because the exact same part of the brain lights up when you experience any of that stuff I've just talked about in the same way it does when we experience physical pain. So it's called the anterior cingulate. And so it's anterior cingulate. So if, if you don't reply to my WhatsApp message, my anterior cingulate will light up. If I cut my finger, my anterior cingulate will light up. If I break my ankle, it will light up. If I don't get the promotion, it will light up. The added, the added challenge, you know, the, the other bit of great news is that not only do we experience social pain, we're always uh, evaluating social threat. Mm -hmm. So that means we feel social pain before it's even happened to us. So if I'm about to go into a conversation with you about your performance, for example, and I'm nervous about it, even before I've walked into the room, I'll be thinking to myself, what if she misunderstands me? What if I make it worse? What if she excludes me? Just the what ifs are lighting up that part of the brain. So I'm feeling it even before I've actually, in reality, experienced it. Does that make sense? Oh, it, so, it makes, what is really, so what's really powerful about this is that we work with, you know, Cross uh, the, the leadership levels, you know, from exec right down to first line managers who've just started their career. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for or what level you're at. It's something that none of us are comfortable doing because we're hardwired to yes. kill this pain. Yeah. We're hardwired to stay connected. So, um, yes, I would absolutely agree. You know, your first question, just your, your question just a minute ago that I've kind of gone all over the place with. Absolutely, people do not engage in those kind of interactions because of social pain. And just yeah. knowing that helps people own that. So I can admit now that I'm not comfortable with it because it's actually a scientific thing. It's interesting that you said uh, how organisations, and I hope that this is changing, they say, no, well, we don't do emotion. Well, guess what? Every single person, even if they say, you know, well, I'm, I'm not an emotional person. Well, there are emotions that you feel. It's just part of being human. And let's go back to, to one of the points that I know that you want to share. I mean, how our thoughts impact how we feel and therefore how we show up. So organisations that say, well, we don't do emotion, people just got to... Well, guess what? If you're not dealing with it, if you're not giving your team um, the ability to, you know, coping mechanisms and so forth, it's going to show up one way or another in the workplace. But share a little bit more about how our thoughts impact how we feel and therefore how we show up. So, so anyone who wants to see, uh, download our, the model that we use called the Rising Vibrational Scale. It's on our website because I'm going to talk about that now, but it's, it's a fantastic visual, which is um, a very simple way to help people to articulate how they're feeling. So there's 22 levels on it, and there are three words that will describe emotion on every level. The way that we talk about mindset is your thought pattern in any given moment. And people talk about mindset in business all the time. You'll know this. You just need to change your mindset. Well, it's because you've got a fixed mindset. You just need to have more of an open mindset. Actually, what does that really mean? It doesn't really mean anything when you dig into it. And I say to someone, so when you say just have an open mindset, can, can you be explicit for me? Uh, well, uh, when you say he's got a fixed mindset, can you be a little bit more explicit for me? People can't do it. But what we do is we talk about, tell me how you're feeling right now on the scale. And then tell me, what are you thinking about? What, what do you believe to be true about the situation right now that are driving those emotions? And it's so powerful because people can, using the scale, identify how they're feeling really easily just by, you know, going, oh, I'm, I'm around to number 13 or I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling overwhelmed. Aha. 
fantastic. Uh, it was, that was very seamless. I didn't realize you had that there. Fantastic. So but if I said to somebody, if I said to you, Anne-Marie, can you tell me what your current mindset is? Uh, you'd probably give me a word or a statement or maybe a sentence. But if I was to ask you to choose where you are on the scale and then for you to explain to me what you're thinking about right now, what you believe to be true about the situation, what you think might happen, what judgments are you making, that will help you access your mindset in that given moment. And we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And that's why we find it so difficult to, to access what our thoughts are in any given moment. But by doing it by the scale, it really simplifies it. Um, so I, I, anyone, just give it a go, print it off, just look at it, ask yourself, where am I on the scale today? Okay, what am I telling myself right now that is actually driving those emotions? Um, yeah. And the really powerful thing is just by shifting what you're thinking about just slightly can massively impact how you feel. So we talk about high vibe and low vibe, not good or bad, not right or wrong. Every single emotion is valid. Every single emotion is valid. So are you high or low vibe? And if you're low vibe, what you're telling yourself and what could you tell yourself instead and shift that just slightly that might help you feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, saying, 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 saying something to yourself like, it's going to go wrong. It is going to go wrong. Changing it to, it might not go wrong. It might not go wrong. Actually, massively shifts the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. It will go wrong to, it might not go wrong, for example. Or, yeah. I can't do it to, I can't do it yet. Or, he doesn't like me to, how, no, how do I know he doesn't like me? It's going to go wrong. How do I know it's going to go wrong? That slight shift in perspective of our thoughts massively impacts how we feel. And that's yeah. why coaching, and you know, there's coaching and journaling is so powerful because it helps us articulate our thoughts and then we can challenge them. Uh, if we write them down, we can have our coach challenge them for us when we said them out loud. So I'm not talking, by the way, about, because I totally connect to some emotion is held in the body. Trauma, I totally connect to that. I'm talking about the very head stuff that we do all the time. You know, we, we whirl around, we get ourselves stuck in unhelpful thinking, which means we don't feel good. When we don't feel good, we're not going to show up and be our best. So, so yeah. that's, that's why I really want to talk about that. Yeah, I love that. Um, and there's someone here that's uh, following on Facebook too. Can't see who your name, what your name is, because you haven't kind of given StreamYard access to uh, to your account, uh, your account. But um, they said kind of garbage in and, and garbage out. It's recognizing what's not yeah. helpful. For me, shifting it slightly, which gives a, a complete different different approach. And what you were sharing before, Lou, about, um, and I think this is so important, and it goes back into so how social and physical pain activate the same brain circuitry. What people don't realise, and I love the example that you gave, imagine that you were going to a meeting, and it's a meeting that you really would rather avoid because the, the person that you're going to speak to may be more, um, yeah, maybe someone like you would have dealt with doesn't like change and you know there's going to be a bit of a confrontation. So just thinking about the pot potential conversation, what they're going to say and what they're going to, what, how you'll respond and let's face it, ladies, maybe men do this too, I don't know. We can have these massive conversations going on. By the time we've just thought it through, we are exhausted. But what you are saying is that whole process, even, you know, emotionally and physically for us, can take its toll, can't it? We don't have had to have that conversation, but we're putting ourselves through that. Would you repeat that again, what you mentioned about that part in the brain for those of us who have... Uh, yeah. So it's, it's called the anterior cingulate. So it's spelled A-N-T-E-R-I-O-R, anterior, cingulate, C-I-N-G-U-L-A-T-E. And what's really, really fascinating about it is that actually 
we don't even need to have a significant connection to someone to experience social pain. So one of the experiments they've done is it was called Cyberball. And people were connected um, remotely uh, and their brain activity measured. And the people that were connected remotely had never met, had never seen each other, never spoken to each other. But they knew they were part of a tribe. They knew they were part of this group. And they were playing catch. You know, it was like cyber catch. Um, and one at a time, the moderator started to disconnect people from the group. So if I was disconnected from the group, I didn't know I'd been disconnected. But all of a sudden, no one was throwing me the ball. Social pain, I still experienced it. This anterior cingulate still lit up. That is how significant this is. So the more significant the person, the longer, the harder, the brighter the light yes. in the brain, if that makes sense. So the ultimate, the ultimate social pain is, is loss, is death. You know, we've all heard the stories um, of, you know, the elderly couple who are married for years. Um, one of them passes away and then not long after the other one passes away and they weren't even unwell. And that's the, that is the ultimate. It is dying of a broken heart. Um, but there can be people you're working with that you don't particularly like, uh, but are massively influential in your career or massively influential on your project. So disconnecting from them or not feeling hurt, not feeling able to influence them is really going to hurt from a social pain perspective because they're significant. So it's not actually about, oh, I really like them. I really love them. It's do they matter? Are they part of my tribe? Do they have an impact on my life? And, and as I've just explained with that experiment, even when you don't know somebody, just the yes. fact that we are disconnected from a tribe hurts. Yeah. So it's huge. Really huge. It's huge. And uh, Danny Cross, my daughter, just tuned in, loving this topic, ladies. That's great, Danny. And Memphis Mike was uh, the one who mentioned the comment earlier. Uh, what a great name. Yeah, <laughs> what it is, isn't it? What's significant about what you've just said? I mean, you don't even have to know them. I mean, imagine now with all of the technology and the abilities to connect with people through social media, and we don't even know them, such as, as you said earlier, the example, you might have shared a post and someone else has got thousands of likes and comments and you've got nothing or hardly anything, that can cause uh, that so social pain. Let's talk about then, uh, the example that you gave earlier can even be um, relevant in business. You might have a prospective client or an existing client or group of clients that really do tend to wear you out and that cause you a bit of social, social uh, pain. So what are some things that people can start doing? And I love that this then segues into the third point, how do we raise awareness of these thought patterns to enable a shift in perspective? What is or are some things that we can start doing once we recognise, you know, this is not helpful for me and I know that I need to be able to change this to, so that it's not impacting me negatively? What are some things we can do, Lou? Um, so the first thing I've got going around in my head, actually, is that, is that second question. If I answered that first, the first thing is we have to want to change it. So it has to be a big enough problem for us to want to change it. So the only reason any of us will engage in buying something, engaging with something or changing something is if we believe it's going to solve a problem that we have or it's going to give us something that we want. But it's usually the, the problem solving thing that actually will engage us more. So it's really interesting when we're working with clients um, and change isn't happening and people aren't engaging. I will usually say, well, they probably don't connect to it. In, in, in the way that it's going to solve a problem for them. Because if that doesn't connect, we won't engage with it. We won't see the point of it, if that makes sense. So the same thing is true when it comes to changing the way you think. So 
there are a lot of people and it is getting better you know you hope it's getting better the emotional it is getting better but there are still people out there who lead in a way that is very unhelpful mm. um there's no empathy it's very autocratic it's not kind they don't hold people to account um they don't set clear expectations um and then it's all about the person not performing sometimes the person is not performing sometimes the person is not set up to perform um so these kind of people They've always led that way, for example, uh, and they'll be having some thoughts around, you know, their thoughts they have will drive that behavior they have. Yeah. If they get away with behaving in that way, they will never have a desire to change it, mm. if, if, if that makes sense. So it's really interesting, that whole bit about what can we do to change it? We have to recognize it's going to help us to change it. And often people don't. I recognize that I needed to change something, which is why the brand is the brand it is. And we have the tools we have that I suffered with really extreme anxiety for a very long time. Mm. Um, and actually it, it got worse and worse and worse. And people didn't know that about me because I hid it because there was a lot of, I felt a lot of shame about, you know, what will people think? Because I look like I've got it all together. And people would tell me that, Oh, I don't know how you do it. Or of course it was more pressure. Oh my God, but I'm not doing it. Or I don't want to say it out loud. This is, you know, I got myself stuck until I was having such uh, severe nighttime panic attacks that I'm like, I've got to deal with this. Mm. And what I noticed I was doing, I was, and a lot of us do this because we're hardwired to scan for danger. That's what we do. But mine was really extreme in certain situations. So especially around health, actually, I had a lot of health anxiety when I was younger. And I would spiral into catastrophic fantasy really quickly. Mm. So I would go to worst case scenario, which a lot of us do. Uh, but I would get stuck there, really get stuck there. So as soon as something would happen in the external world that I can control, especially in certain contexts, I would go into free fall and catastrophize and, and feel extreme anxiety. What I taught myself, and I had to teach myself this, was going, right, I need to, to notice when it's coming. Right. I need to notice what my thoughts are. And that was simply when I noticed I felt that wretched, writing down, writing it down. What? am I telling myself what am I telling myself what am I telling myself even that when I read it I could rationalize it a little bit the most amazing transformation for me has been and people who work with me and, and know me well will know that I do this when something happens out here you know that I can't control when I say out here I mean you know someone else does something or COVID hits or you know there's no vaccine or we're going to lockdown again or you know anything like that I will go this feels rubbish what can I learn from it mm. and as soon as I go what can I learn from it? I feel so different. And now I've absolutely changed one of my neural pathways for sure, because I don't do that catastrophizing anymore. I might go there very briefly and dip my toe, but just long enough to notice it, to go, well, this is crap. What am I going to learn from it? And yeah. that has been transformational for me. So what I had to do was notice it, was own it, was admit it, to really go, this is where I'm starting from here. Because when we don't admit where we are, we're never going to move forwards from it. And then I had to just practice that. That is all I did for a long time. And what tends to happen, and in business, this is so common. Um, we, we send people on a two-day workshop and we expect their behavior to change. And we're like, well, nothing's changed. Of course it hasn't, because that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. We have to apply what is called the attention density approach, which is the approach we take at Rising Vibe. Mm. And there's a there's an equation for this, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this slowly so people can write it down. Okay. So there's an equation. The equation is exposure mm -hmm. plus repetition plus application 
equals transformational change. So it's attention density, exposure plus repetition plus application equals transformational change. So if we remember when we were at school, and I've got a son at university and a daughter at uh, senior school, high school, uh, from the minute they started school, they would do lessons and then they'd have to bring a book home to read or practice their phonics. And then we go through school, you have homework, you have tests, you have exams, you go to university, you write a dissertation. You, all, you are exposed to new information, new ways, new data. Then you repeat and apply, you repeat and apply, you repeat and apply, and then there's transformational change. Then we get into business and people go, I'm going to send you on a course. The person going on the course doesn't know why they're going on the course. Then they, they understand why they're there, but actually they're like, well, I don't really get why I'm here because they're not connected to any problem it can solve for them. Mm-hmm. They don't engage in it. So they might be exposed to some stuff that is very interesting. Like, well, that was interesting two days, but they don't repeat and apply it because they don't see the benefit. They don't see the point. The amount of money that is thrown at that kind of stuff, kind of launch it and leave it, tick box, and nothing changes. It's a completely false economy. And that is still very much a big issue, I think, in, wow. in organizations. But when you talk about it, like, it's obvious, isn't it? It is. And you know what? Sometimes it's some of those leaders that need to be in those workshops, then their team. And it's, you know, and, and what, something that I, that you said, and I think this is a, so applicable to all of us. It doesn't matter whether we're working in corporate, whether we're running our own business or even in our personal relationships. If we deal with other human beings, everything that you've said is so relatable to us. But even if we're wanting to shift something in our own behavior, how often do we read a book, listen to a podcast, whatever it is? And then all of a sudden when something hits and we recognize some of that um, old behavior which is causing or situation which is causing social and physical pain, we immediately go, oh, well, that didn't work either. But I love that, you know, exposure plus repetition plus application equals the, um, you know, transformational success. Well, Unless, of course, it's repeated and we do find ourselves in a situation, we need to do that because we're repeating the new process. Well, that's interesting. What can I learn from that? How can I be curious? If we're not doing that and that repetitiveness and applying it, we won't have that transformation. So there's got to be some of that practice. It's like going to the gym. My daughter, and she's still here, relatable. She's a personal trainer and nutrition um, online coach. And so we would love to go to the gym one day, lift weights and walk out and just look, you know, fantastic. But it takes years. Yeah. 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 Totally. And when it comes to mindset, you know, so this is this is where I I feel frustrated quite a lot of the time when I hear, you know, you just need to change your mindset. Oh, okay then. Oh no. It's like, <laughs> so, so first of all, what do you mean? What we mean by mindset is your thought pattern in any given moment, and it can change like that. And you know, it's not fixed, and it's not growth. Sometimes it might be fixed. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might be growth. Sometimes it might be open. Sometimes it might be closed. But it's not that simple. It is. You have thought patterns. And I said, you know, at the beginning, we have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And around 95% of those thoughts are repeated. Mm -hmm. 95% are repeated, which is why it feels like we've got fixed patterns, which is why it takes the attention density to go, right, what, what is going on for me? Why do I not feel great when I'm around this person? Why do I not feel great when I'm about to do public speaking? Why do I not feel great when I'm about to step into a gym? Okay, I don't feel great. 
I've noticed that first step. So what am I telling myself? What do I believe to be true? What do I think might happen? Let me write that down. Okay, this, and let me do it a few times just to check. Ah, I've now seen, seen some themes around what I'm telling myself. So that is my mindset in context of that person going to the gym, public speaking. Right. That's my A point. That's my A point. So now what I need to do is every time I notice it, I'm going to check myself. I'm going to write it down and then I'm going to ask myself, what might be a more helpful thing to tell myself instead of that? And I'm going to practice that. And it's boring. It's boring. <laughs> but it works. And when it starts to work, when it starts to work, it's no longer boring. But we want instant gratification. Yeah. You? Like, so you I think the instant gratification that we have so much now in the world, it's creating in us, it's actually establishing a, us an expectation that things need to be immediate or we're going to we're, we're, get, we're going to leave it. But something that I wanted to ask you too in, in this whole process of, of this transformation um, and, and long-lasting, sustainable um, transformation, things are going to come up. So, you know, having every step that you just mentioned is so helpful. Do you also uh, recognize, I'd love you to, to share some thoughts about this if it's relevant. How often do we get stuck in our stuckness and we've got all this negativity, but sometimes it's because we don't actually or haven't clarified what do we want? What, how do we want the situation to be? So, you know, sometimes you've got the away from and the and the towards. I mean, yeah. what is it that you're wanting? Let that be the, the path. Let that be your north. Is that something else that you find people struggle with? Yeah, it is. And I I guess, and actually, you're getting the scale. I've got one here like Blue Peter. I don't know if you've got Blue Peter over there, but we have a Blue Peter. So, absolutely. So, we will immediately go to problem because that's what we do. Yeah. So, it's really helpful to allow yourself and other people to just explore the problem and then say, so what do you want instead of that? That is a really helpful way to flip somebody. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes people struggle. They might start to go to what they want and they go straight back into problem. Let them verbalize it and then say, okay, so I hear that. So what do you want instead of X and Y? You will see how hard it is for us to get into an outcome-focused place yes. as a human being. It's not a natural thing. So, again, that process, okay, talk about your problem, your issue, your challenge, great. So what do you want instead of that? That, as a practice, starts to help someone start to naturally go to, I mean, the problem, now going to flip to the outcome. There's a great quote, actually. Um, I think his name is Alan Cohen. I might have not pronounced that right, but it's uh, a possibility mindset is one where you focus on the problem just long enough to get excited about the outcome. Mm. I love that as a quote. That takes practice, though. And when you are what we call low vibe, it is really, really hard work to get into outcome. When you are higher vibe, outcome focus is easier. So this is, again, where this is really powerful. If you're not feeling good, if you're low vibe, what might help you start to feel better? Because then you can start to step into outcome. When you're Mm. up here, outcome is easy. When you're down here, it's really not. So again, that's a really powerful way to use the the scale is to ask someone, you know, where are you on the scale? What thoughts are you having? And then you'll know whether or not you need to go minutiae baby step shit or whether or not someone can go into a big, you know, fantastic outcome because it's really hard anyway for us to do that because we're always looking for problems. Um, It's fascinating for me when I work with clients and I say, so what's your perfect outcome? Yes. It's important. Go back into, yeah. okay, they go back into problems. So I just say, what's the problem you want to solve? Tell me the problem you want to solve. 
Get yeah. into that, immerse into that and say, and then break it down the problem and say, right, great. So this part of the problem, what do you want instead of that? This part of the problem, what do you want instead of that? This part of the problem, what do you want instead of that? That yeah. repeat apply, it's it's basically self-coaching because mm -hmm. you know I see people that I work with doing that now naturally, and it's fantastic because you're right. When we're low vibe, we move away from stuff. Yeah. All day long. Really uh, Jackie Masterton said, really finding this so helpful. So glad, Jackie. I know, it's fabulous. And Alexandra, good point. What do we want? And I, she will add, why do we want it? So very important. I mean, you can use this in so many situations. I mean, even in relationships, how many men and women say, oh, I, I wish I could find a partner that wasn't this, 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 and this. We're really good often, aren't we, at expressing what we don't want. And in situations like that, I have found that's really helpful, even when we're stuck. And obviously, I was in kind of that low vibe, I started to be curious then and go, all right, I'm going to give myself, I do this today, I'll go, I'll give myself five minutes to, to be in this low vibe and then it's out of there. And I use that, now it's about three minutes, but I use that, those points of what I don't want and I'll often go, well, what's the opposite of that? Because then that can often be a really good pathway, um, an indication to the things that I do want, the absolute opposite of what I, I don't want. And um, yeah, I think that contrast is really important. And I know that we, I've done that, you know, I, I've been running my business for 12 years. And I know when I look back, you know, that I had some really interesting times in the early days. I'm like, man alive, I can't believe I made that decision. Actually, I look back and I go, well, I don't want that to happen again. So what am I going to learn from that so that I know what I do want instead? I think we have to have the contrast. We have to have that. That was horrific. That was a terrible situation. Or I did not deal with that in the way I wanted to. Or the response I had there was not what I expected. Okay, so what do I want next time? So, so what can I learn from that? And what will I change? I, I think it's a great way to look at it. I mean, I love, I say I love making mistakes. That's a slight exaggeration. But actually, <laughs> mistakes are learning. You want to they are learning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? And I love that we're, we're kind of ending the show on that because how many people have gone through certain situations, they've said things, they've done things, and they're carrying around them on the shoulder this invisible sack of shame, you know, and, and guilt and regret. And, you know, I decided years ago that guilt and regret and all of that, they're wasted emotions. Let's look at it. And I love the way that you've said, what can you learn from it? What will you do differently? What are lessons that you can use to move forward and let that be something that continues to guide you. So anytime, I love that, that you've said, be curious. All right, recognize it, but don't stay in that low vibe. Share for people your website because I know people will want to run to your website, print off that beautiful rising vibrational scale and have that close by so that they can uh, focus and, and really be guided by that. Lou, how can they do that? So uh, we're at www.rising-vibe.com and there's a Rising Vibrational Scale page that you can download the scale. Um, and if you download the scale, we, you know, we've done lots of webinars that if people want copies of those, we can send links to that and things like that. So you can learn more about you know, the scale in more detail and some of the other tools that we use as well. Yeah, I think this is so fitting, especially where we're at in in in, in 
experiencing, you know, worldwide. I mean, here in Victoria, um, we have just come out of our second lockdown and it has been a horrific lockdown in, in that, um, you know, we've we've had, um, what do you call it? I can't even think of it because it's not even part of my psyche. You know, when you can't go out at curfews. I knew it started with says I didn't have a curfew on when I was since a teenager. I didn't like it then, didn't really like it now anyway. But, um, and I know, as you said, you know, you've got that in the, in the UK. But I think what's going to happen is because this is cause for many of us social pain and physical pain we need to be able to know how do we learn from this so that we can better cope you know um as we go out and and into the future so and i think that there's just the the really important bit and we haven't actually mentioned this is you know we are we are i am all about positivity when it's real yeah. the pressure to be positive though is really unhelpful um, so our, one of our strap lines is feel better, do better. So the question I ask somebody all the time is what might help you feel better? And then I'll follow up with, is that within your control and influence? If they say no, I'll say, what else might help? Is that within your control and influence? Okay, what else might help? And when they come to that, yeah, that is within my control and influence, then what support might you need? It Rather than, you know, I hear it a lot. Come on, you, you've got to be grateful. You've got to look for things that you appreciate. You know, chin up. You know, you've got to look at the be glass half full. Sometimes you don't feel that way. And when people are saying to you, come on, it's you know, cheer up. Isn't it? It's like, you know what, if I could, I would. I love the way. Change your mindset. Oh, okay, that's great. I'll do that. But something else, and I just want to finish with this, and please go to their website. Just let me repeat that before we go. rising vibe dot com. What I think that you mentioned earlier, and I think this is so important, is that often it's not just one thing. We need to break it down. Just like goals, we might have big, bold, audacious goals, but you need to break it down. And when we start to look at it that way, we've got these little learnings, these little lessons, and these little lessons bank up. And then all of a sudden, you realize that, yeah, okay, there was a number of learnings that now have really held me in good stead. So you can recognize those triggers and, you know, respond in a better way because you're intentionally recognising those thought patterns and immediately flipping them, um, you know, to something that's more empowering for you. So, yeah. fabulous. Baby step, baby step, baby step. Yeah. Baby, baby step, baby step, baby step. Baby steps, baby steps. All right. Well, thank you. I know that we've only just scratched the surface. We've had a lot of conversations going on here by people who are watching that's been um, so valuable for them as well. Please go and connect with Lou. Go to their website. Lots of great resources there uh, to support you as well. So thanks once again for coming on the show, Lou. No, thanks for having me. Loved it. Thank you. You've been listening to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to stand out, be heard and become an influential voice in your industry? Access our free 5-day money, marketing and mindset boost masterclass. Go to www.industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass. That's industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.